I think recognizing that like you are the lead role in your own story, that you are the protagonist in your own life is so important because it's not even about being ego driven or being anything like that. It's knowing that like there is, there is a lead, there is a lead role, there is a person with the most screen time and it's you. And so just like being the main character, <laughs> just like being the main character all the time is um, actually a very useful tool. Steve to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Cagney, and I'm an LA princess. For what is a princess if not a leader? And what is a leader if not someone who advocates for change? Here to empower, equip, and inspire our future feminine leaders. This kingdom welcomes royals of all kinds, so whether you're a prince or a princess, a king or a queen, or any royal in between, put on your crown and pull up your seat, for the podcast is about to begin. Hello, Your Majesty, and welcome to the Princess Project Podcast. I'm your host, Cassidy Cagney, and I'm an L.A. princess helping you to live your royal life. I'm so happy you came back this week. Guess what? It's our episode 10. I have a very special guest. Today I'm joined by Autumn Angeletti, and she is the artistic director of Lime Arts Productions, which is a theater and arts production company who strives to make inspiring, innovative, and intimate art accessible to all. Lime Arts has a really special place in my heart because I've been involved with them pretty much since the very beginning. Um of lime arts itself part of the seeds (laughs) in the lime tree grove and I'm so excited to introduce you to her a couple things before I tell you a little bit more about her and what we're doing here today folks (laughs) today is August 8th it is a such a huge day for me, for the podcast, and the future, you know. This is our 10th episode. Now, 10 episodes doesn't really sound like a whole lot right off the top of your head, like, oh, they only have 10 episodes. But think about it. We have one episode premiering every week for 10 weeks. 10 weeks. I've been doing this podcast for 10 weeks. I can, that blows my mind. Like, I don't think I've ever done anything 10 weeks in a row before. (laughs) Just looking back and saying, okay, I have 10 weeks of podcasting experience right now. Wow. Like, there's just so many things that I have learned, not only about podcasting, but also so many things that I've learned from my guests. My guests are so special to me. And they're all my friends now, and there's so much wisdom. I always try to have guests who are interested in talking about something I'm also interested in. So, for example, I had been thinking a lot about powerful femininity myself, and I thought, who would like to talk about that with me? And so we had Bo Electra on. And what about representation in art and being a leader in a virtual sense, having a virtual team, um, and creating virtual art was really something that's been on my mind, obviously, as I (laughs) enter the podcasting sphere. 
And uh, Autumn was so helpful. And I learned so many incredible things from her. I look up to her so much. And I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Another reason why today, August 8th, the day that this episode drops, is a very special day is because... (laughs) I'm getting married today. I know. I know. I'm getting married today. Whew, I'm recording this a few days before. And so currently as I'm speaking right now, I'm not yet married. But when you listen to this, I will be married. <laughs> I have the privilege and the honor to be marrying my best friend, Jesse Baxter. And it's so, on one hand... It doesn't seem real that I'm like two days from getting married. But then on the other hand, it feels very like, yeah, like, yeah, we're getting married now. Like, of course we are. We're very prepared. We're very ready, I think. And we've been through so much together. And we still have so much fun together. I'm just really excited. This podcast would not exist without Jesse. I would not... Um, have passed my Cal TPAs, uh, my teacher tests. He really pushes me to pursue my dreams. He really pushes me to be creative and put into practice the ideas that I have on the daily. You know, I feel like I'm someone, I mean, I'm a creative person. If you're listening to this, you're probably a creative person too, um, as well as a leader. And I have so many ideas constantly that a lot of those ideas don't see the light of day. But with him, he has really helped me gain personal confidence that I can do it. I can do things. Revolutionary to me. I can not only do things, but I can enjoy things while I do them. He's really taught me how to love. Love. He's taught me how to love, and I'm so very grateful for him. So... In celebration of Jesse and I getting married, if you would like to leave us a little wedding present, I would love if you left us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the podcast grow more than absolutely everything else, and it helps people like you also find the podcast. It helps to grow the community and get the word out to people who would also find value in the show just like you do so please as a wedding present as a wedding gift to me and Jesse it would be so incredible uh, to get some of those reviews and ratings on Apple podcasts and we would be so grateful so thank you so much for your gifts in other news our social media position is still available so if you are interested in social media marketing uh, give us an email info at princessproject.com podcast.com and we are planning out many exciting episodes we're booked out for like the next three weeks four weeks and I've got some other interviewees on the back burner and ooh, there's gonna be so much value dropped there's gonna be so many juicy conversations part of the goal of the princess project podcast is to equip you to be the best leader, the best version of you, and to have the best royal life that you can have. So when I have these special guests on, they are all experts in whatever subject that we're talking about. 
Um, there are examples of women who take it upon themselves to lead. In a lot of cases, these people are very much natural leaders, just like you, just like me. And we can help each other learn and grow so that we can all create a beautiful kingdom and create positive change. So anyway, I'm getting all mushy. (laughs) So all that to say, I am so happy you're here. Thank you so much for being a part of episode number 10, week 10, and my wedding day. (laughs) is. It feels so silly to say that, but I'm excited. And you know what? I'm allowed to be excited. I'm allowed to be happy. (laughs) Even though other people might think that, oh, it's cringe or it's too... I don't know if chuggy would be like an appropriate word for it, but I'm excited and I'm happy and I am just so grateful for so many things in my life right now. One of those things is Autumn Angeletti. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Now, she's going to tell you more (laughs) because her resume, biography, history is so incredibly expansive and has so many different elements to it. There's so many incredible projects that she has done. I I couldn't even possibly list them all for you. So she'll tell you a little bit more later. But she is, like I said, the artistic director of Lime Arts Productions, and they are a theater and art production company. I have participated in a number of their shows, their festivals, their workshops. Lime Arts has been a huge part of why my love for theater still exists. Like, I still love theater because of my experiences at Lime Arts. They are making theater and art the way that I want to make theater and art. Autumn Angeletti recently succeeded the company's founding artistic director, Roman Sanchez. Shout out, Roman! And uh, (laughs) I'm so excited for the company's next season. Roman is a childhood friend of mine, and watching him create this company, he took it upon himself to be the home base for so many young artists in their 20s who felt alone during the pandemic. When COVID hit, and all theaters were shut down, and there were no opportunities, and we were trying to figure out how do we continue making art, doing theater, and being a part of our community when we have to be at home. And so Lime Arts really became a hub for artists during this time. Now Autumn is a fearless leader, and she emphasizes inclusion and representation in theater. Um, I want to read you this little blurb from the Lime Arts website because it just makes me so excited (laughs) Uh, to talk to her and learn from her and support her. She is a rock star and I'm just I'm just in awe of her. So on the Lime Arts website, her bio says this. As an abolitionist, feminist theater maker and organizer, Autumn seeks to create and produce radically transformative art in an evolving industry. Her experience and expertise lie in curating and leading creative teams composed of members of the global majority and developing new social justice-oriented works. Not only has she worked for some of the best theaters and theater festivals in the United States, but she has also been a part of numerous world premieres of black theatrical productions, including her own as a director, as a producer, as a playwright, and as an actor herself. 
She is such a multifaceted artist, businesswoman, and leader. <laughs> she just, she makes me fired up to think about all of the great things that she has done and all the great things that she still has yet to do. Certainly a queen of queens, a queen of everything, and I am so excited to introduce you to her. So, without any further ado, it is my honor to introduce you to Autumn Angeletti. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to talk to you. I have wanted to meet you for so long <laughs> since you uh, became the artistic director at Lime Arts. I was like, ooh, I want to get to know that girl. <laughs> so That's, I'm so oh happy that we finally Thank have you. this opportunity. Me too. I'm very, very excited. So before we get going, before we like really get into it. Autumn, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, um, just to give them a little bit of context before we get get into the grit of it. Absolutely. That's probably such an old reference. <laughs> um, my name is Autumn Angeletti. I use she, her pronouns. I am a multi-hyphenate, multidisciplinary theater artist. I am a director, mm. a producer, a playwright, and a performer. Um, I'm currently the artistic director of Lime Arts Productions. I'm also the assistant producer at an off-off Broadway theater company in New York City called Mabu Minds. And I mm. am a member <laughs> of the Roundabout Theater Company Directors Group this year in the fourth cohort. Um, so yeah, I do, I do a little bit of everything in a lot of different places and like, that's, that's who I am. And that's what I do. I, um, <laughs> you are so many. <laughs> okay. Before we started recording, um, she was like, oh, well you talked about most of my bio. No, I did not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Roundabout theater. No that's way. Like, it's, um, I it was cool. It's oh my like, gosh. Um, like a development program for early career artists and I get to be in it meet other directors and it'll be really cool oh, my jaw is on the floor for those of you who can't like she's laughing because I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm making fun of faces oh my gosh that is that is so rad thank you thank you so much oh my gosh I'm so sorry I interrupted you <laughs> they're fine um yeah like those are the things that I currently do it's my life um I attended the illustrious Howard University and graduated from the Chadwick A. Bozeman College of Fine Arts mm -hmm. go bison um I got my BFA in theater arts there and um yeah I owe you know I owe that place a lot so I gotta I gotta give credit where credit is due um and now I'm based in New York and that's what I do for work and when I am not actively doing theater things, which is only about like 5% of the time, I'm uh, thinking about organizing. I'm also um, an organizer. I'm an abolitionist, cultural worker. So I believe that we can create a better world by putting things in our communities that keep each other safe. Mm 
um, alternatives to prisons and police. And so I have a history of organizing for police-free schools in my hometown outside of North Philly. And I did some work in the last few months with the Broadway Advocacy Coalition, um, generating some abolitionist theater in collaboration with law students and um, prison industrial complex abolitionists. So that's also what I do, that I'm very political, but politics is a big part of who I am. And so, yeah, it's a combo. I'm an artist organizer duo. Ah, uh, you're so awesome. <laughs> I'm like starstruck. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. Oh, man. Oh, where to begin? Well, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Start at the top. So what is Lime Arts? productions and what is the goal slash mission of the company? Lime Arts Productions is a theater and arts production company founded by the Roman Sanchez himself about six years ago. And what it is, is a company of young artists who just want to make things and they want to make them together and they want to make them accessibly and intimately and innovatively and for everyone. The emphasis on young artists is taken in a really different way with Lime Arts, which I think is really valuable yeah. uh, because there's young artists, quote, young artist programs out there, but they're mm -hmm. really meant to function as a money-making source for the theater company by having kids under 18 Mm. be taught theater and such and then people 18 to like maybe 30 or maybe 35 are often excluded in these circles because we don't usually have the same kinds of means as uh, the older people who are in the same community yeah I think one of the most interesting things about like navigating the world as like a young like professional artist I'm 23 is how do you get to the part where people take you seriously? How do you get to the part where like, at what point do you build your resume and people are like, oh yeah, I trust you to actually direct something and not assistant direct something like, yeah. I, and it's, and that pathway is not very clear. And Lime Arts is a place where you can be 20 and you can be taken seriously and you can work in all the deep meaningful ways you want to. And it's outside of the school environment. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the real world, you know, it's not, supervised by a professor and there's just not there's not a lot of places that really do that that let like take mm -hmm. us seriously which is nice yeah the level of respect between peers is higher and uh cherished I would say with yeah. Lime Arts in a way I have not seen with any other company Ugh, I love that even well I don't love that for the other companies like <laughs> even like <laughs> student works that I did in college was mm -hmm. not up to that level because I think we were trying to replicate sometimes not all the shows I did but trying to replicate that hierarchical system yeah. that we had had with our professors when we were doing school right. shows so second yeah. question I want to ask you really quick uh mm -hmm. just so people know what is the 20 by 20 fringe festival <laughs> 20 by 20 fringe is a festival of plays by artists in their 20s for artists in their 20s exclusively because we are the future and we make wonderful art. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I love okay. it. And so uh, you usually do 10 to like 20 plays during the fringe. It's exactly 20. Oh, right. It's 20, it's 20 shows. Um, some last year we began, or this year we began integrating films. And so it was plays and films total of 20 productions. I'm so lucky to get to know you and get to talk to you today because we are both connected to Lime Arts Productions. Yes, um, we are. Have you been involved with Lime Arts uh, before you became artistic director? Yes. Um, my way into Lime Arts was through the very first 20 by 20 Fringe. <gasps> me? Well, I think kind of <laughs> me too. <laughs> kind of me too, yeah. Um, I, it's funny, Roman, you know, um, founding artistic director of Roman Sanchez and our mutual friend, um, he, he's so good at just like finding random emails. So he just found one of my professor's emails randomly, I guess, I don't know, and sent him an email and was like, hey, like I'm doing this thing, you should bring, get your students involved. And so I only knew about it because my, my professor was like, you should do this thing. And so I was like, okay, well, the application's easy enough. So I guess I'll just see if they pick me. And then I ended up getting to direct Black Thoughts You Can Redo by TJ Lewis. And I um, cast, I like made my best friend also apply as a performer. And then I cast them as the lead role. It was a one person show. Nice. And it was at, like, it was so much fun and very transformative and just a really like a really productive and meaningful way for me to create art in a time where it felt like we were all we were all desperately clawing at what we could possibly do remotely and virtually and mm -hmm. and we figured it out we figured it out through through fringe and so i came back the second year as a producer and helped other shows get to the virtual stage and that was so much fun and it was great and Roman was like hey so don't tell anybody but I'm thinking like maybe it's I, it, like it's time to pass this on to somebody new and I'm thinking like what about you oh. and I was like <laughs> and so we talked about it like we talked through the logistics um because there's you know Limearts was founded in California I'm based in New York like yeah I, I, I wasn't sure if I was qualified enough and your head staff people are all over the nation there's, there's LA everywhere. Bay Area Chicago mm -hmm. New York oh yeah. Limearts is so cool that way because it did start out as um so Limearts did exist already and then the pandemic happened pretty soon right. after that and so we all wanted some kind of virtual space um mm -hmm. to make theater because that's something that we everybody who's part of live lime arts is a theater person <laughs> uh i feel like so starstruck i'm so sorry i feel like i'm like so blah. i i honestly i usually talk better than this <laughs> it was virtual yeah and so now i Lots of theater companies did try to do something virtual, but Lime Arts was probably one of the most successful at making good theater virtually, and now is going to carry that over and continue during, continue doing virtual theater for like the foreseeable future. 
as yeah. a way to make theater more accessible to people. And how awesome is that? Yeah, it's really awesome. And I feel very blessed. And um, it's, it's exciting because, because we have like a team from all over, we get to kind of do this like hybrid production company experience where something might be in person in California or in Chicago, and we will just always make it a priority to therefore make it accessible to everyone else in the country and in the world um, by just putting it on a virtual platform in addition to just cold doing things on the computer, remotely, on a Zoom, on a StreamYard, whatever. And that combination, I think, is just going to like pretty revolutionary for art making over time I think there is a beauty in theaters being rooted in a singular home and a singular neighborhood and a singular place and like integrating itself into the community that way but I think it'll be really exciting to explore what it means to make theater nationally and internationally and like that be the collaborative process and kind of see what community looks like when we just connect each other all over the world yeah and people talk such a big game especially well-to-do theater companies talk such a big game about technology and then the attitude about virtual theater was so poor yeah. for the most part for the most part and then was completely retired now ish and so right. when we talk about technology and theater there there can be so much more purpose than just like special effects ooh, there's fire on stage or whatever all <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty projections like we can do a lot more meaningful things with technology and theater if we make those things a priority yeah if projections are your priority I mean that's what you're gonna spend your money on personally <laughs> I think there's more important priorities you could choose yeah, it's interesting. And like, of course, we all know it's largely because like our theater industry and community is run by people who um, don't have a tendency to embrace technology and change and innovation. You mean but it's also older folks? Is that like older folks? Like, you know, maybe the DEI stuff was a little inconvenient for them. Like, I'm not going to throw any shade, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. that's <laughs> still and so it's it's interesting because I feel like virtual theater has or just like remote art making has so many merits especially when we're thinking about building community and like exchanging ideas and I like I don't know when you're all from the same place and you're trying to create something there's of course merits to that too but it's so refreshing to hear a completely different perspective from a completely different place like yeah. geographically, soci socially, culturally, it's just like, I think it's really great. And so I'm excited to continue doing that work. And I feel like I have a community of artists on my team that believe in that work too, and are working so hard and just so well already to like make it all happen. Yeah. Everyone I've met at Lime Arts is so genuinely passionate yeah. which is very different from a passionate, a passion that's coming from a place of I'll show you or, you know, I'm mm -hmm. uh, competitive mindsets and things like that. It's a whole different experience of making theater. And I think my experiences with Lime Arts 
was one of the things that made me realize, oh, it's not really about what I'm doing. It's about mm-hmm. who I'm doing it with. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Like I could have the most horrible. <laughs> okay. <maybe that's> not <laughs> true. But like I could have a not amazing job or I could have like a really bland job. Yeah. But if I do it with people who I connect with, who I value, respect, and like to spend time with, mm-hmm. that's what's more indicative for me about like whether I will stay at the same company for a while yeah. or if I will, frankly, find something better. Yeah, I think like if everything that has happened in the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's like, you got to go where you're happy. You got to go to where something moves you. And if it's the people around you, like that's the thing and like, make that the thing. Like there's no, please, these corporations don't care. We got to be happy. We got to choose happiness. (laughs) Your happiness, yeah, which might look different for other people and other people I know who are actors. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they say they love being on stage. They love being in front of an audience. I don't feel that way. (laughs) I don't know if I ever felt that way. Interesting. But it's about the people I do it with. Yeah. Because there was a long time where I did shows at my high school and I felt really severely bullied at my high school. Mm -hmm. And so theater was not fun for me for years. And now I can't even, I could probably couldn't even tell you why I continued to do it because I was not jiving with the other people in the productions. But once Mm -hmm. I got to college and I was able to make some new friends and I will also say do completely student run productions. Yeah. That changed the game. Then I was like, oh, this, this can be fun and productive and not so hierarchical as when yeah. your prof- professor is directing or whatever. And I get a really similar feeling at Lime Arts. It's true collaboration. Yeah. And so I totally went off on tangent there. Let me, let me circle back. Okay. <laughs> so you're talking about getting to know so many people who are on different coasts and things like that, having a virtual team, a virtual theater space. How do you, as their leader, because you are the artistic director, how do you, as a leader, create that kind of environment? Because it's very noticeable that Lime Arts is a place and has a culture that is positive and healthy and prioritizes things like accessibility and representation. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as a leader, construct that overall? Well, the or any first tips. Thing, I know there's not one, just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing is I was very blessed to be completely set up for success. The culture of Lime Arts that you know and love is, of course, a culture that was cultivated by Roman as founding artistic director. And I inherited that legacy and inherited that culture. And now my thing to do is to maintain it and make it bigger and broader. And so the first thing is I was set up for success. There are a lot of leaders, especially like in the theater industry, we've seen time and time again, 2020 hit and all of a sudden everybody cared about diversity 
and all of these artists of color were getting put into these executive level leadership positions and they were not given resources. They were given budgets that were out of whack because of COVID and they were given just all these awful circumstances to try to like build a company out of. Mm -hmm. And so many awful, terrible things happened to those companies because they were not set up for success. And so I'm very lucky that Roman spent time making sure I was onboarded, making sure I had what I need, letting me ask questions. And so getting the education that I needed, getting the access that I needed, the resources that I needed set me up to be a good leader first. The second thing is I, I'm a 100% a collaborative leader. I'm not super good at the like single, like presidential type, like just mm-hmm. by myself kind of thing. Um, Which is perfect I'm a, for I'm a Gemini. Perfect for theater. You're a Gemini. Are you a Gemini? I'm a Gemini too. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I'm a Gemini. So I love to talk through something, you know, we're ruled by Mercury. Yes. We love to have a chat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah let's chat man yeah you know like we we like to chat and talk things through and so I'm lucky that um I have the most incredible producing partner in the history of the world her name is Lo Williams um and she is currently the executive artistic producer at Lime Arts um and she's the first person I called after um Mm. I got off the phone with Roman I called her and I was like girl we're about to run a theater company um she was I when I was president of the Howard Players which is a century old um black student theater organization based out of Howard University she was my vice president and like really like those were the titles but we were co-artistic directors is what that situation was got it and So the other thing, like the other way I'm able to like be a leader in a space is like, I, I have my head on my shoulders, but I also have her head on my shoulders. I have the minds around me. Ego can never take me over because I am surrounded by people who keep me in check, who keep me balanced, who help me see all sides. And that's how decisions get made. Cause if we just leave it to one person and they're having a bad day oh no you know what I mean like I believe I believe in a collective and I'm lucky that um I've been able to build one with the assistance of Lila Williams herself and the lovely fantastic team that I have at Lime Arts. Lowe um, is also based in Brooklyn right? No Lowe is based in DC currently. Oh right see I get confused because there's that's okay you're thinking everywhere. of Josephine who's also in Brooklyn. Yes wow okay you two went to school together. We sure did. And I mean, that's really great that having that personal connection, yeah. you know, with your second in command. <laughs> yeah. How does the virtual space when it comes to leadership, building a team, um, how does the virtual space compare to say the other leadership positions that you've had in the past, specifically mm-hmm. like organizing, but coordinating people who are regularly apart yeah Um, how does that influence you and your leadership style or strategies it creates in my mind kind of a different system of boundaries okay I just worked at at Mavu I worked in person assistant producing their 50th anniversary it was like 
a festival of sorts of like 31 readings in three days. It was like very fringe-esque and like <laughs> it was so chaotic and it was all in person. And so I was, you know, coordinating with actors and directors and playwrights all like in this one big weekend. And the the boundaries were different. In in the virtual sphere, there is so much of a closer attention to time. You know, like even just this, if, even recording this together, you're like, we can stick to an hour and I have a clock. And it's like, when you're in person, that happens, but like you get up and you go get coffee and it's just, it's just a little bit different. And so like the boundaries of time, the boundaries of space, they're just a little bit clearer. Mm. And what that has done for like my collaborative processes, like in leadership and making art is really like set us up. So I have a set of responsibilities and I have a limited amount of time to honor those responsibilities. If we're having a discussion in a meeting, if we have a deadline by a certain date and then we're going to meet on Zoom for 30 minutes, like it's a little bit stricter and a little bit cleaner, I guess. And I've noticed that it's easier for me to like hold true to my appointments and how long they are and how much time we're taking out of people's days to do things which is great for leading Lime Arts virtually because everyone's a volunteer. Mm -hmm. They are volunteering their time to serve this company and make it better and create art. And which means they all have jobs and school and lives. And it's actually a really great format for no one person to feel too entitled to anybody's time and honor that people still have to make money people still have families people still have things to do because you can sometimes you can see them running in the background of your zoom screen and that's like not really something that you get to access when you're in person right. is like that healthy reminder that like people are dynamic three-dimensional individuals with like things like to do other than the thing that you are doing with them especially when it does come to time before the pandemic there was you could say more wasted time on average at a job yep but you're there for six eight ten maybe in some jobs even like 12 hours a day or more mm -hmm. so yeah you take a, a little lunch walk or a mm -hmm. coffee break or you get off topic but when we do have that specific time and we are really serious about respecting those boundaries there's a lot more productive focused work happening yeah so you can get the same amount of uh, of work done in a less amount of time because there's no reason to waste said time and that's yeah. really good for work-life balance in the future um talking about how our society and work culture Mm -hmm. It's going to have to change after COVID. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, like there, I love, I love going to the office in person and like sitting at my little, my little table and tapping on my little laptop. And it's like, I got off work at five today, but I didn't leave till 515 because I was, you know, chatting with my, with my colleague mm -hmm. and like, yeah, 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 that can happen over Zoom, but this call is about to expire in seven minutes. And so like, we can only <laughs> keep past time for so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to the free version of Zoom. Yeah. That's, I, and I really like Zoom. I really, that's, I think that's very disrespectful that you took away the unlimited time for two-person calls. Like that was foul. <laughs> that was really right? foul. Oh, well. So <laughs> did you always know that you were a leader? 
like did you always want to be in a leadership kind of role in a responsibility heavy responsibility role do you identify as like a natural a natural leader it feels so you know it feels like it I feel like such a I feel like so silly saying the yes but I I do Oh, don't um, feel silly about no. <laughs> don't feel silly about it. That's why we're here. That's why we have this That's show. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. There's yes, so many okay. women who have, who are naturally leaders. Mm-hmm. We are natural leaders, and it is not encouraged. I know a lot of my life, I felt very pushed out of leadership mm-hmm. discussions and things like that, but. I, I, I do also identify as a natural born leader. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what it was like when you were younger and what you were Absolutely. hoping, hoping to do and how you work towards the, the leader you are now? <laughs> um, so I'm an older sister. I have two little sisters that I grew up with and an older sister that, um, I didn't live with until I was around 16. So in my household for like my formative years, I was the oldest child. Mm. And um, we all, I come from a very artistic family. My mom's a writer, my dad makes music. And so it was like very natural that we all were very interested in the arts. And so my sisters and I started a band. Um, We're very close in age. I'm 23. I have a sister who's 21 and a sister who just turned 20. And my older sister is about to turn 27, but for this story, my younger sisters and I, we started a band and, um, you know, bands have leaders and I was the leader of the band. <laughs> and Great. so when, when Christmas came around, we went to my abuela's house and it was time for our big Christmas show because we were a band and we needed a gig. Um, <laughs> I was the one who organized the set list and made sure we had our rehearsals and did the choreography for our group number and, it, it came very natural to me that there was a thing that needed to get done and somebody need to, needed to facilitate it getting done and I, would, and I would do it. And so I had a lot of practice being a leader as an older sister. That's um, cool. Yeah. And then I slowly but surely became the kid who like started making sure the group projects got done <laughs> and, you know, like, and so... Over time, I was like, hmm, it seems like I might be good at this organizing people and accomplishing a goal thing. Totally. Yeah. I feel very similarly <laughs> as a teacher, also a director. When I direct, mm-hmm. I have a very uh, a very unconventional way of directing. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've made a lot of people mad. I've made other directors <laughs> mad who are <laughs> older than me and have been doing it longer than me. But I really think of myself a lot more as a facilitator mm-hmm. than anything else. When I'm teaching high school English, when I'm directing, um, at any point that I can get, I try to facilitate mm-hmm. more than control. Yeah. And I think especially our generation, we have been controlled in a lot of ways. You know, and even now, as we're seemingly losing our rights and such, um, right. we have people who are actively trying to control us in more and more ways. And mm-hmm. for us, I think that gives us 
more of an understanding and the value of collaboration. Yeah, I I learned like very early on in my like directing experiences that I I love a good collaboration and I love a good I'm not I don't want to tell you when to cross yeah I want you to tell me when you think you should cross and I'll see if it fits in the story like I just I learned very I learned very early on that I um I'm not I I don't like to do it that way and I don't Mm -hmm. like to be directed that way (laughs) and so um, yeah, I, I, I don't know like which, I know there are like a bunch of quizzes and things. I don't know like which category I fall in, in terms of leadership, but like, I do love some facilitation. So maybe it's that one. (laughs) I, I love it. And especially when, especially when I'm teaching senior English, Mm -hmm. they don't have to talk to me. Yeah. I'm (laughs) the teacher and I'm supposed to be in power. I'm supposed to be authority, but Mm -hmm. they don't have to talk to me. I would much rather them talk to each other. Like that's, that's, what's really important. There are some kids who have never had a positive relationship with an adult before in their whole life. And those kids especially need to have conversations with me, but on the whole, even for those kids talking to each other is, is the most important learning that they can possibly do. Yeah, I agree. I agree a lot. It's so funny. And like, this is, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to say, this is like the organizing brain, but just thinking about like the way that students are brought up in schools and like how they're taught to understand leadership and like authoritarianism is just so sick and twisted. And like, I realized through student run productions also in college that like leadership can look healthy it doesn't, you know, like I, I thought for a while, like I only believed in everyone's equal footing. There's no hierarchy of any kind and there's no, and you look at history and it's like, I don't know, civil, civilizations across time have like had leader structures. Like they, they've had leadership structures. They haven't all been dictatorships and like fascist empires like we're living in, but like they've, they've had some leaders who like, you know, a tribal leader, a leader of a community. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe in that. I believe in like healthy relationships, leadership, and just like somebody who's in charge of making sure everyone's good. Like just give someone the responsibility of making sure that happens. Yeah. I totally, I'm, I believe in it. (laughs) That's how you know you're a natural leader. Mm. Are you that person who cares enough to take on the responsibility to make sure everyone's good? Yeah. Because that's a choice that you have to make for yourself, even if you are in, say, an official political position, you had to decide to run for office, you know, right? If you're the kid in the group, you decided that your project was gonna get done, no matter what. And that's a natural decision where no one can point at you and say, you're going to be the leader now. Right. They could try. They could try. But yeah. it's a lot more natural, especially when you put kids like in a group of four and you mm-hmm. say, here's your project. Someone will always rise to the occasion. Yeah. And the best groups, school, work, whatever, 
the best collaboration is when more than one person rises to that occasion. When we all take the responsibility to make sure that everyone is good, then we can have the healthiest type of collaboration. Yeah. What does that make you think of? It makes me think of, actually, it makes me think of an experience I had with the Broadway Advocacy Coalition. Um, Because the way that they structure their fellowship groups is everyone is on equal footing. No one like is of a higher level than anyone else. They work collaboratively, but everyone has a specific role, a thing that they are responsible for doing. And it might be um, leading the warm-up at the beginning of a rehearsal, or it might be like taking notes if we're having like a production meeting, something like that. Um, but everyone has these individual roles and these things get done because they are all leaders and they all are willing to rise to the occasion and do the thing that they're tasked to do. And the beauty in it is that it just doesn't mean everything. I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of times we like hear the concept of leadership and assume that means like do everything that no one else will do. But like how beautiful is it when a room full of leaders can just divide the labor and then it's shared and there's still leadership in areas, someone's still running the warm up but it doesn't have to be just like one person that does it all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so beautiful and so much more sustainable. Yes. As a leader, you're going to be able to <laughs> live longer. You will yeah. live longer <laughs> in that kind yeah. of leadership experience mm-hmm. than taking on the stress of everything is my responsibility. And right. I have to worry about everything. I just imagine that takes years off your life. Years. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. I know for a fact I've lost years of my life working on some projects and like feeling like all of it was on me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have to be. Right. Because yeah. leadership does not have to mean control. And it does not yeah. even have to mean authority. Mm-hmm. It means what the word is. Leadership. Lead. Lead. Yes. Guide. (laughs) Uh, Encourage. Mm -hmm. And if we can guide and encourage each other, we're going to turn out with something really special. Yeah. That we all identify with. Yeah. It's really different to be like, this is our show rather than, oh, this is, this is her show because she directed it. Mm-hmm. oh yeah we're we're in Cassidy's show rather than <laughs> this is our show very different experience very different experience I think I learned a lot of like the our we sense of ownership versus the I me sense of ownership like through choir I was a choir kid my whole huh? life um and same you know yeah <laughs> I remember you know we'd have section leaders and also like someone who like was the president of the whole choir and like there were just a whole bunch of different kinds of leadership positions and then of course my teacher is the conductor having a leadership position and Mm -hmm. it never felt like someone was in charge of me it felt like everyone just had a thing that they did and it helped the group work together and the soloist wasn't the leader of the song they just like led this moment in in the movement and it's just, yeah, I think, I think understanding leadership in that way and recognizing that, yeah, 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 I'm the artistic director, but like, 
I have line producers that are leading projects. I have a production manager who's leading meetings, you know? That's amazing. It, yeah. So specifically with choir or with having a live show or a virtual show, even when uh, we have different mediums, whether that's artistic or business or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And so I bring this up because you have a couple of projects coming up for Lime Arts this yes, August, indeed. right? You mm -hmm. have Unfinished and synesthesia i think synesthesia is already accepting submissions right yes it is and then how long are you accepting submissions for synesthesia for synesthesia we are accepting submissions until august 12th at 11 59 p.m pacific time wonderful and how about unfinished unfinished mm -hmm. um is the project that you are going to lead right yep and then how long are you accepting submissions for that for that one, we open submissions on, I believe, the 14th of August, and they'll be open until the 29th of August. Wonderful. And Unfinished is really interesting because it is a writing-based project experience. Yeah. Yeah. So when we talk about this kind of really respectful, equally shared collaborative leadership. Mm-hmm. What strategies or what philosophies do you bring from that when you're trying to tackle something like writing? So yeah. tell me a little bit about Unfinished. Okay. And then how collaboration feeds that project. Okay. This is a good, this is a good one. So I'm so excited. Um, my producing partner, Lo Williams, and I were um, both creative producers on a festival called Ujima that was based in DC. It happened at the Atlas um, a couple months ago. And it was a film and stage festival and we were responsible for curating the staged readings. And all we had to do was very simple. We just had to find young playwrights in the DC area who had some pieces under 30 minutes. It was a very easy task. Why <laughs> was it the hardest task I've ever had to do in my entire life? We called, I feel like a million playwrights, texts, emails, and so frequently we got, oh, I will have this piece, but it, it's not really done yet. Or, mm -hmm. oh, I have this thing, but it's not submission ready. Could you give me three weeks? And so I realized that as like early career artists, early career writers, we, Writing is intimidating, one. Oh, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the way our generation is set up, we're good for starting something and not finishing it. And so I wanted to facilitate a process where a writer can come in with an unfinished piece and work collaboratively with fellow artists to get the piece done. So they have something that's submission ready. So the next time I ask them for something, like let's say for 20 by 20 Fringe, they have something to give us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what unfinished is. That's the motivation. That's the inspiration. And so it's funny. It's an incredibly collaborative process because I'm a person who believes in the actor as the artist, not the actor as simply the interpreter. I believe that every kind of artist at every level and department of a production is contributing to the storytelling 
it's not just the playwright telling the story. It's not just the director. The designers change everything. The performers change everything. The dramaturg changes everything. Like it really can shape the piece. Mm -hmm. So what I want with these unfinished texts is for playwrights to be paired with a dramaturg, a director, performers, a stage manager, and be able to get to work with them as peers on developing this piece to an end and having whatever needs they have, like have them be met. And if that means they need a workshop facilitated meeting, or if they need to get up, they need to buy a book on playwriting by this specific playwright, like we wanna be able to offer those resources to them and provide them with a team that can do that for them. So that's that's unfinished, that's the project, and it, that's the collaboration. I've been telling everyone that I've been bringing in to like be ready to be a part of the discussions and be a part of the process because I want I want the pieces to be informed by the discussions and the lived experiences of the people in the room because like we're all creating this work of art together. The playwright is just the leader of getting the text done. <laughs> I might, I know you're gonna think I'm exaggerating, but I, but I am not. Like, I am like welling up, I could cry. Oh my goodness. You, <laughs> this is so special. And I don't know if listeners out there are really going to be able to understand how revolutionary something like this is. Oh, thank you so much. And just being so dedicated to leadership, because what is leadership? Guidance, encouragement, mm -hmm. support, taking on the responsibility to make sure everyone has the resources they need to be where they want to go. Yeah. I don't really consider myself a playwright, mm -hmm. but obviously there's a but, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have this one play and I okay. would consider it unfinished. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is sort of finished. Like I wrote the end on it, mm -hmm. but I know I want to add three scenes to it mm -hmm. and I have not sat back down to write those three scenes I know what they are I know what they where they're gonna go I just don't know the exact words you know yeah till they get on the paper I don't know the exact words I know what's going on but yeah I I mean you you inspired me heck I'm gonna cry <laughs> and I'm not even I don't even identify as a writer and I'm gonna cry so exciting how does that collaboration work so everyone is going to be I'm assuming reading each other's work or maybe uh acting it out what what does that community look like that community looks like the hope is there will be like so there's one big community that is the community of unfinished and let's say there's two neighborhoods and one neighborhood is playwright one's camp and one neighborhood is playwright two's camp because this is sort of a pilot program we're keeping it to just two playwrights and really I, i'm saying playwrights because like that's the language i know well but if someone has an unfinished tv pilot or an unfinished web series or an unfinished song cycle like we, we're accepting any text that will lead to a performance of some kind it doesn't have to specifically be a play um so i'll say that but it's these two neighborhoods and each neighborhood gets a set of a director and a stage manager and performers and just like whatever the specific text calls for, whatever they need. And 
there will be weekly meetings in those neighborhoods where they talk specifically about this text, et cetera. And then as we get a little bit like further into the development process, these neighborhoods will get to collaborate and like have a block party. There's a, you know, there must be a big street in between these two neighborhoods. <laughs> they have a block party on that street and they get to talk to each other and collaborate and mingle and hear what the other project is doing and share feedback if wanted. And that is, that is kind of what the community is going to look like. And then that community will grow as we bring the audience into the fold and they get to participate. And the, we're hoping that we'll be able to get just like a little bit of footage, a little bit of photos of what's happening during the development process. So the audience can be involved a little bit sooner than just the day of the reading. <laughs> and so they can see like what it looks like when community works together to make something beautiful. Do you have to apply to be one of the team members in one of the two neighborhoods? So do you need people to submit to be acting readers, uh, stage managers, all those other things as well? Is there like a yes. submission process for that too? Yes. So it's similarly to Fringe, it's going to happen all at once. And so there will be one application and you check the boxes of the things that you like to do. I'm a performer and I'm a dramaturg and I'm a director. Maybe that's, you know, someone who submits. So we have that information. We have their demographic information, their interests, their experience. So that way, when it comes time and the playwright says, I really want a dramaturg who like really knows about like the history of Bangladesh. And we find a Bangladeshi applicant who said they're interested in dramaturgy, even though they're mainly a performer, like, boom, we bring them in. Amazing. And so that's that's the idea. And so it's, it's very, the application will look very similar to fringes for those who are familiar. That is so wonderful. So those applications you said are open on the 14th. Yes. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited for this. I definitely think I want to, I definitely think I want to apply. Um, I, you know, I'm not a writer. My, I know my play is not very good, but like <laughs> I can help some other way. Yeah, you absolutely should apply. That would be great. Awesome. Well, I'll hit you up for that. <laughs> <laughs> You have another project going on that has submissions open right now. The yes. um, we're recording this on the fifth, but they opened up on the third, and mm -hmm. today the eighth, they are still open. So yep. <laughs> that's for synesthesia. Um, that this synesthesia is such a different program. It's amazing that I I love how Lime Arts, the variety of art is so oh it's so juicy <laughs> yeah I agree so tell me what is synesthesia because it is so wildly different um from unfinished it, it, it I, yeah I guess you're right it's there are some ways that it's similar and then there are a lot of ways that it's different so synesthesia is a season-long project so from now to the end of our season, we are gonna be working on synesthesia. Um, it's a season long project that is centered around the five senses. It's called synesthesia because we're naming it after the experience of um, experiencing one sense through the stimulation of another. So like when people hear music and then they start seeing colors, like that's synesthesia. And so oh. the thought is that we're going to create five individual unique pieces that are each centered on one of the five senses. And by centered on one of the five senses, we mean 
what does it mean to taste theater? What does it mean to smell theater? And how do you experience something through the stimulation of another? And yeah, so that's what the five senses is. And what the um, application process is, is we're building a cohort that's going to divide these pieces throughout the season. Um, so the application is asking, do, who are you? What do you like to do? What, what, what kind of art do you like to create? We just want to know who you are. And then here's a long list of things that you might be interested in doing. What things are you interested in doing? Do you know how to do them? No, that's fine. Just click it anyway if you're interested <laughs> in learning. And it's, it's everything from modeling to painting to fashion design to performing to sound editing. Like there's just a big range of skills that you can choose from because we're going to need a little bit of everything. They're all going to be different. They're in different mediums, different formats, different styles. And so that's, that's what synesthesia is. And it was all conceived by the lovely and wonderful Lo Williams. Um, and she's taking a big leadership role on this project and working fantastically in collaboration with our lovely line artists. And go low. Go low. That's my girl. <laughs> Shout out low. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, being silly. <laughs> it was good. It was that good. is so cool. Oh my gosh. Like Lime Arts is so much more than theater. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's for any kind of artist, especially a program like Synesthesia, where it would be amazing to have fashion designers, sound engineers, or anything to yeah. be a part of it because anything can be art. Anything can be art. And I think people forget that. I would say your life is art because it is something you create through your choices. Yeah. Everything, everything is art and you include it. You purposefully, specifically choose to embrace all art forms instead of saying, oh, well, that's a lot more like film. <laughs> and like I'm a theater person yeah yeah especially I mean and I can't you know especially like post 2020 like the lines between virtual theater and film I think there's a I believe there is a distinction but they're blurry the lines are blurry mm -hmm. and so and not one is better than the other and one is not better than the other. I totally agree. There are just like different elements that um, are prioritized in the art making process. And that makes total sense because that's how art is different in any medium. How wonderful to have a hub. Lime Arts Productions is a hub <laughs> for artists yeah. of all kinds. So that being said, where can people find you, um, find information on Lime Arts so that they can apply to Unfinished, so they can apply to Synesthesia. Uh, where can the kingdom of the Princess Project podcast connect with you? Fantastic question. So there are some fun, easy ways to connect with Lime Arts. The first is our website, and it is simply limearts.org. That's it. Straight, easy, simple. Um, and it. on the homepage of our website right now, the first thing you see after our cute little logo is introducing synesthesia. And there's a button to apply and a button to read more about the program. And so applications are open. Go ahead and sign up. We're very, it's, I'm, 
you know, this is my first project as artistic director and I'm feeling very loved by the reception the, the, and the submissions and the excitement on the Instagram. We have an Instagram. It is at Lime Arts Productions. That's at Lime Arts Productions on Instagram. Um, that's also our like, I don't know what they call it on Facebook, but that's like our Facebook URL as well. It's like oh, Lime okay. Arts Productions. So you can like us on there. Um, and my communications director, Josephine, actually just created a Lime Arts Twitter. So I believe it's Lime underscore arts underscore prod, P-R-O-D. Um, and I think there's one single tweet on the account. So if you're into Twitter, go ahead and follow that as well. <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. I'm so excited. And then uh, for those of our listeners who would also like to connect with you personally, either mm -hmm. to learn more about you, maybe collaborate with you. Uh, where can they find you, Autumn, specifically? The best place to find me is on Instagram. My um, at name is just my first and last name, at Autumn Angeletti. Should I spell it? I guess it'll be yes. written on the podcast. Okay, I'll spell it. So at A-U-T-U-M-N, Angeletti, A N. G-E-L-E-T-T-I-E -E -T -T -E, at Autumn Angeletti. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That really does help people who might be driving or on the road or something like that. Mm -hmm. It also really helps me. I have a learning disability. I have uh, dyslexia. And mm -hmm. I, even if I'm just trying to look at something on my computer and te text it into my phone is yeah. nearly impossible. So that really helps. Thank you so much. Amazing. Uh, I am so excited for you to bring all of your knowledge, all of your wisdom to Lime Arts. I'm so happy that you were able to come on the show today. Oh, I'm and just- thank you yes. so much. Thank oh, you. Man. I really, this was great. Anytime you want to come on the show, come on back. If there's anybody else in Lime Arts who would also maybe like to be on the show, just let me know. And we can always, we're always happy to have you, especially cool. um, as- an entirely queer and female presenting folk company. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. I will spread the word. We have a meeting on Tuesday. I will let them know. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Woohoo. Anybody wants to come. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so I have one final question for you. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. This is the big one. This is the all moment right. we've all been waiting for. This is the reason people listen to the show. Okay. No pressure. Okay. Ooh. What is one tip that you would give us for living your royal life? One tip I would give for living your royal life. Oh, this is such a theatrical answer. Let's go. I think main character syndrome is not a syndrome, but like a vitamin that is very healthy and good for you. I think recognizing that like you are the lead role in your own story, that you are the protagonist in your own life is so important because it's not even about being ego driven or being anything like that. It's knowing that like there is, there is a lead, there is a lead role, there is a person with the most screen time and it's you. And remembering to put your health first, your needs first, your well-being first, your rest first, your happiness first, above all else, 
makes it so much easier to make choices like, should I drink a coffee at 8 p.m. and continue working? Or should I watch an episode of TV and go to bed? And it's like, you need the balance. You need Mm -hmm. the health. You need the wellness. And so just like being the main character, (laughs) just like being the main character all the time is um, actually a very useful tool in assessing um, whether something is good for the plot. I love that. I was thinking about that today. Exactly what you had said. I was thinking about it while I was substitute teaching and thinking about how being a leader doesn't have to mean that you are in charge of anybody. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily authority, but more like responsibility. Take this is why we're here. This is why we are here. I had such a blast. And that doesn't yeah. have blast to mean talking to Autumn. And I really hope that you had it's a blast listening to our conversation. Yeah. Um, we really want to include yourself. you in the conversation. That, like, the and there's a couple of ways story, you can like, do that. What, what is your First, story look like? as a is wedding it, like, gift, it would be so wonderful if you wanted to leave like, us a five-star rating and a review on um, Apple Podcasts. Really Tell for us for me, what you think of the show. Also, DMs are always open. You can follow us. You can message us on social media, on all platforms, at Princess Project Podcast. And go to limearts.org to register for any of the, the projects coming up as well as connect with autumn Angeletti herself and you get to the next submissions chapter, for unfinished and, and for and synesthesia better. are both and that's this so good august to, so to know go to limearts.org that you, that and register for those yeah. so when we come back come next and, monday for you know, our next episode not make i won't life. be miss cagney right. even if you don't feel like you're i'll be missing cagney that you have got a bad life or anything like that yeah well, thank you so I hope you much. like that joke. That's it's like this is you. like the last time I'm ever gonna to get to tell you. that joke. I tell that I, joke I every just, day I'm for the last week like, of being a substitute teacher. Such a fangirl. And sometimes oh I got to laugh, and sometimes uh, it didn't. I, but be I thought like it was you. funny every time. <laughs> I'm so sad that that joke's <laughs> oh, not gonna be applicable anymore. So I hope you enjoyed that joke. I cannot wait for them all to meet you. You are a queen. You are a leader, and you are a change maker. And I hope that you are able to take just even one small nugget of wisdom from this conversation in order to help you become the best leader you can be (laughs) thank you so much for being here week 10 10 weeks of doing this podcast has been life-changing for me and i cannot wait to continue with the rest of the season i love you so much i love you so much and until next time go out there and live your royal life Thank you.